No, I don't thank you because Aaron and I have talked about going to Singapore. I think you mean South Dakota. <laughs> Shut up. And actually, no, I'm thinking about it. It might be Hong. Words are so hard. Welcome to Things Aren't Wrong, your general trivia podcast with a healthy dose of internet and media things. I'm Ryan Bott. I'm Rachel Miller. I'm Stuart Hopkins. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks. Round Robin Day. Yeah, so we're doing a little bit of different stuff here on the show. Uh, we're going to make every other episode a round robin. So everyone gets the pitch in for questions, a lot more new stuff. Uh, I'm really excited about that. So this will be the first one of the new year. Yeah. And uh, Ra- <laughs> Rachel has uh, taken some time to learn how to write better questions. And also, <laughs> Ryan and I did something really fun this last week. We did. What did you want to talk about it? Yeah, I'll talk about it. We went and saw the very long-running, extremely popular Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, which has been running on NPR for 21 years, I believe, as of now. But they are a podcast and a radio show for trivia in what's going on in the news. And it was super exciting. Yeah, it was a blast. And I had actually never really... I had, I think, only barely heard of it, but I honestly didn't really know what it was. And uh, we got a wonderful Christmas present from Rachel's parents. Uh, so we got to go. Yeah, it's NPR's. Yeah, yeah. It's right here in downtown Chicago. Uh, it is. I forget the exact tagline, but it's NPR's. It's um, modern, the news quiz. Yeah, current current news, current political news, and trivia show, or something to that effect. It's called um, the news. It's the news quiz. And uh, man, it was it was a blast they they run their show to a t and it made me realize there are a lot of trivia podcasts out there <laughs> after hearing that hearing some of the podcast hearing some of the guests do their own so they have um a bu- mostly journalists like journalists and then some stand-up comics so they have like a panel of three people and then a host and they have people call in uh so they have the host and then they have an announcer and the announcer Bill Curtis, who is a, uh, you could speak better to it than I can, but is a, like a famed journalist for many, many years. If you guys, do you guys remember years ago, there was a huge outrage when journalism broke the, the problems that came with Agent Orange in Vietnam and Korea. There was a huge thing about it causing mass amounts of cancer and oh, birth yes, defects. Yes. Um, he was the one who, who did the story, Bill Curtis. Oh, okay. And he has a remarkable announcing voice. Like you yeah, could listen it to is. it all night and it will still be just nice and soothing. Yeah, it was, it was a really cool event. And then they have somebody, they have a guest call in every episode and it was amazing. They had Conan O'Brien call into the show and talk Whoa. for like 10, 20 minutes. Uh, it was really awesome. Yeah. He has a new podcast. Uh, what is it called? Conan, Conan needs a friend or something like that. Um, and he, he, yeah, Conan, somebody I have so much respect for after hearing, not only just like the show falling apart and all that, all the drama that came along with that, but like his, I've been a fan of his since like middle school or high school. And he, for as funny and as ridiculous he is, he, he seems to really have a heart of gold on so many things. And, you know, I've, I've watched Mm -hmm. some of that stuff, some of his, uh, Conan around the world stuff and just like the ways that, yeah, yeah, like the ways that he interacts with, with different cultures, like being funny, but then also just being very, real and uh, you know true to life um he's somebody i've definitely admired for a long time so to hear him call in was just like extra you know an extra bonus agree that's really cool yeah oh well if you guys ever have a chance they are there every thursday pretty much every thursday at the chase auditorium yeah so you have to buy tickets and i think you'd have to look it up on i think wait wait 
just look up wait, wait, NPR, wait, wait, don't tell me. Um, they have a ticket buying procedure, but yeah, if you're visiting Chicago or you're in, uh, it is definitely worth trying to get tickets if you can. Agreed. Awesome. My, uh, my one claim to fame that I have is that I once served Andy Richter and his son, uh, Starbucks. Um, was there only one of them or were there like five? No, there was, it was just him. Uh, it was Andy Richter and his son on father's day. Um, but so they were, they were driving through town because apparently he grew up, um, like two towns South of me and his dad was still out there. And so they were going out to see him for father's day. And so they were driving through the town that I was in and, uh, you know, I, I was working a, uh, a walk-in or like a cafe Starbucks. There was no drive-through. So they stopped and walked in. And like, I didn't, I mean, I had never seen Conan O'Brien at that point. Um, and I still haven't mm-hmm. really seen the show a whole lot, <laughs> but so I didn't know who he was. And so he came up and like, I took his order. I went and I made his coffee and I made it for his son. And then like, by standard, you're supposed to call out the person's name because like, unless they're waiting in line, like sure. right there waiting for it. And he wasn't. And so like really loud, I was like coffee for Andy. And like everybody like looks up at him and like, it was like the confirmation <laughs> of like, yes, that is Andy Richter right there. And he like looks at me and he's like, thanks kid. And I was like, oh, oh shit. Geez. Sorry, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're not famous enough, dude. Come on. Right. So yeah. Like, I mean, I didn't know who he was. It's like, dude, like I just thought you were some guy. Yeah. So, yep, that's my one claim to fame that I have. I think that's, <laughs> that's amazing. Awesome. <laughs> so, definitely check out Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Uh, it was absolutely amazing. Uh, but in the meantime, we have our own trivia game to get to. And this is the very 12th episode ever. And it is another round robin game where all four of us bring our own round of questions for the other three to answer. And this round, we will start with Stu. Awesome. Cool. So my round is about inventions, uh, both unique inventions as well as uh, accidental inventions, which is what really inspired this round. So um, buzz in when you feel like you have your answer, and we will go from there. Question number one. This alcoholic drink was accidentally discovered after distilling wine to ship overseas to avoid taxes. Uh, They would concentrate the drink and then add water to it after making it through the tax gate uh, in order to increase profitability. Uh, Ryan. It's an alcoholic drink, yeah. Ryan. Uh, vermouth? Uh, it is not vermouth, no. Okay. <laughs> and it's not, it's not like a type of drink in a sense of like, oh, a gin and tonic or anything. It's like, no, this is like, you know, it's like wine. It would be like that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I have one more guess, but I want to weigh it. Hmm. Ryan, uh, you want to try again? Is it port? It is not port, though. That's a really mm. good guess. Um, it is actually brandy. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So uh, apparently, yeah, when you when you like distill it and boil down wine enough, uh, brandy is part of that process. Um, and so they tried a sample of it, and that's what they got. Huh. Interesting. I was trying to think about like because I know they had wine, and like as they went over on ships and stuff, they were like more fortified. Both, I think, to keep it, to make it last longer and just to, to be able to ship it easier. Uh, that's, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, question number two. In 1957, uh, and I'm going to butcher this name, Mark Chavines uh, and Alfred Fielding were attempting to make a textured wallpaper with this invention. It wasn't until IBM needed something to wrap their products uh, to be safe in transit Ryan. that it was actually used. Right. Oh. Bubble wrap? It's bubble wrap, yeah. Nice. I knew, that. I knew <laughs> awesome. that one. Point for Ryan. Wallpaper. Yeah, it was wallpaper. So like I don't know why 
they thought it was a good idea, but so they took two clear shower curtains and were basically inserting air pockets into them, and their idea was just to glue that on the wall. What year was this again? 1957. That sounds like, like something out of the 60s or 70s, yeah. but no, it was, it was 57. <laughs> they were ahead of their time. Cool. Question number three. Developed in 1912 by Lester Wire in Salt Lake City, Utah, this invention has more than 26 million units installed in the U.S. alone in 2019, but was created long before its main purpose. Its first installation was in 1914 on the corner of East 105th Street and Euclid Avenue in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, me. Rachel. Is that a crossing walk? (gasps) Yeah, it's a traffic light. Oh. Oh. Wow, nice. Yeah, it was invented, honestly, for traffic of horse carriages, not cars. Sure. Um, And it was just red and green. It was just stop and go. Uh, Question number four. First invented in 1820... This cutting-edge device was superior to scythes. The inventor would only operate it at night at his home for fear that his neighbors would think that he was mad. It's the lawnmower. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. In, in 1820, yeah, it was invented by a British dude. But I just I think that's so funny that he only would use it at night because his neighbors thought he would be nuts if he used a push mower. <laughs> Question number five. Uh, After accidentally knocking over kerosene on a dirty shirt, this invention was sure to clean house. I know what you're doing with the question, and I don't know how to pull from it. (laughs) Right. Rachel? Rachel. OxyClean? It's not OxyClean, no, though that's really close. Like washing detergent? Uh, Kind of. It's, It's, I guess it's more of a method. Rachel? Rachel. Bleach? It's not bleach, no. Any other guesses? No. No? Uh, it's dry cleaning. Oh. Huh. Yeah. That one was, I know it was worded a little weird. I wasn't sure if like dry cleaning would be considered an invention in the typical sense, but I figured I would. Sure, dr- yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. I figured I would drop clues in the question just to see if I could get that one going. Can you read the question one more time? Sure. X. Ex- After accidentally knocking over a kerosene lamp on a dirty shirt, this invention was sure to clean house. Did kerosene have it? Because it's it's made out of a like a powder, right? Some kind of right Um, powder or something. It's a yeah. I don't know what the exact formula of it is, but apparently kerosene was one of the first things that like he knocked over uh, his kerosene lamp like when he was working or something on a dirty shirt, and then it just like lifted the stains out of it after he like washed it out Um, or. Maybe he didn't even wash it out. Maybe he just like blotted it out or something. And then, yeah, um, it just pulled like all the dirt and stuff out of his shirt. And so then he was like, oh, wait, this is a thing. And then looked into it more and came up with dry cleaning. Nice. That's cool. Question number six. A 20th century baker in Connecticut used these plate-shaped tins for his pies and cookies. Eventually, Yale students found a new use for them in the the quad. Yeah. They're Frisbees. Yeah. (laughs) So this dude's last name was Frisbee, but it was spelled a little differently. Uh, And he had a super successful bakery, but apparently it made it all the way up to uh, Yale students. And they just started throwing them around on the quad. (laughs) (laughs) Where they still play ultimate to this day. Yep. That's right. Cool. Learn something new every day. I've learned a lot in this in the last two minutes. (laughs) (laughs) I thought this was a good one. I, I was I was excited about this one. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. So that ends my round of inventions. Well, guys. As you know, 
I love cute things. I think small little things are absolutely adorable. I also love geography, and I think it's really important to know where and what things are. So for this round, I have the cutest little countries. Oh, jeez. This oh, is all man. about the small countries of oh, the world. <laughs> I have filled the questions with plenty of hints to hopefully help you guys out. Sweet. I also have other hints if you need them. So okay. not Russia, U.S., Canada, Brazil, China. Right. Like I said, Ryan, if you need to draw a map, you can. I highly suggest you do not. But as, as we know, draw a map. As we know with our weekly pub trivia, I am very good at recreating maps when I need to find the wrong answer. <laughs> yeah, Ryan, uh, Ryan struggles a little bit with maps. So uh, I suggest you do not. Okay, are you guys ready? Yep, ready. Question number one. Nestled cozily between France and Spain, this cute little country is known for skiing and the highest life expectancy as of 2013. Ryan. Uh, Luxembourg. No. Oh. Stu, do you have a guess? I don't want to be stupid. Um... But yeah, right, um, is it is it Sweden? It is not. Did okay. you say skiing? It's known for skiing, highest life expectancy. Their language is that they speak is Catalan. They're a very old country, but they're very very tiny. You said between France and Spain. Yes. Mm, Ryan, is it Monaco? It is not Monaco. Do you guys have any other guesses? I don't know if mine is a country or not, so no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the cute little country in this case is a cute little country called Andorra. A little itty bitty little country with a population of, I had it pulled up. I do not have it pulled up anymore. It's less than a million people. Wow. So. Andorra is a Star Wars planet, right? <laughs> yeah, that too, Ryan. You're doing great. <laughs> well um as you as you guys know um i've struggled in the past writing easy rounds so clearly this is going well geometry is my second worst subject only to law <laughs> <laughs> which is crazy because this is geography geography thank you jeez well <laughs> words are so hard here um, is my next question, which was planned to be the hardest question of the round, so uh, strap in. Let's do it. <laughs> Located on the southern tip of the island of Malay, this country has the third highest GDP in the world and is known for their very, very strict littering laws. That is correct. Nice. Wow. Nice. Singapore is an itty-bitty little country with some very, very strict laws. I actually have family in Singapore. Oh, really? Do they yeah. like living there? No, I don't. Thank <laughs> you, because Aaron and I have talked about going to Singapore. <laughs> because she has she has family in Singapore. I think you mean South Dakota. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, no. I'm thinking about it. It might be Hong Kong, not Singapore. <laughs> <laughs> So, question number three. 
This German-speaking principality is headed by a prince. And as of 2017, 37,877 people lived there. And their native language is German. There's only one Germany now, right? There's only one Germany now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wow, a German principality. It is bordered by both Austria and Switzerland. I'll give you one further hint. It does start with an L. Ryan. Go ahead, Ryan. It's never it's I was gonna say Lithuania. That's it can't be right. Is it? No, no, it's okay. not no, right. I'm I'm Lithuania. You sure? Yeah, no, I'm you know what? I, I might just be silent for this whole uh, segment here. Well, this country is uh Liechtenstein. Oh, oh. Yeah. Interesting. That one should have been easier, but I'm not on the spot very much. This game's hard. (laughs) Well, guys, I do do my best to try and make it easy. I thought by loading these questions with information. Okay. (laughs) Question number four. Located entirely within the country of Italy. Oh, crap. (laughs) This republic is composed of a people who call themselves the Samaritanese. It is not the Vatican. Brian, we've had this question at least twice in trivia. I know Ooh. it, but I don't know it. <laughs> it's an itty-bitty little country with a population of 33,344 people. Yeah. Do you guys have any guesses? No. Oh, God. <laughs> this is the country of San Marino. Question number five. Located next to France and Italy, it is the second smallest country in the world. Ryan. It is a, it's a constitutional monarchy ruled by the Grimaldi family. Ryan, go ahead. I'm going to say Luxembourg again. No, it's not Luxembourg. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> they are very well known for their casino, ah. who has been the subject of several movies. The casino is in a place called Monte Carlo. <laughs> I thought you I thought you finished the question. I was not done with the question. No, that's why I kept talking. Uh, <laughs> wait, what well, you kept talking, then how did I get the answer? This I game added, is rigged. I don't like these this... rules. <laughs> you think it's rigged just because you're not winning. I didn't create this game to have it be smirched in front of my own eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and question number six. This is the smallest country in the world. It's a theocracy with a population of a thousand located entirely within another country. Yes, you're right. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Nice job. Uh, Guys, I'm working hard to make doable (laughs) rounds. I want you to know I'm working hard. I'll also say... I spent the entire round trying to remember the name of the small country completely within South America or South Africa. I think there's two <laughs> independent countries within there South are. Africa, and I couldn't come up with either of them. One of them, I think, starts with an L. That's all I could remember. I, I don't recall them, but I, I, what I did is I actually went to the Wikipedia page of countries from largest to smallest, and I went all the way down to the bottom to the smallest, and I started working on ones that were completely independent. And that's nice. where I worked up nice. from. 
just not good at geography <laughs> or or geometry or geometry <laughs> or geology or geology I'm, or geometry hey <laughs> i'm decent at geology i can i can identify rocks i am officially not winning this round but there's still hope to drag all of you down <laughs> Mine is loosely based on the uh, SNL Jeopardy, and I went with the theme oh of potent potables. Oh my god! Oh my which is uh, mostly alcohol, drinks, stuff of that variety. So I have six questions on uh, potent potables. Everyone's ready. Two points each. Buzz in when you know it. Question number one. This one's a bit of a tongue twister. One. Artemisia absinthium. Is the scientific name for the core flavor absinthe is traditionally flavored with. These leaves were banned for many years Stew. for containing toxins. Uh, I'll get to you. For containing yeah. toxins also found in tarragon and sage. What is the more common name for this plant, Stu? That would be wormwood. That is wormwood. Nice Woo-hoo. job. That is Artemisia absinthium. You are the only person who can know that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually didn't know the scientific name other than like absinthium is like, all right, it's absinthe. Like, right, right. You know, and then I knew that wormwood was an absinthe. Nice job. Yep. Which you can buy an, a version of it without wormwood in the US, but obviously, who wants that? No one. <laughs> nice job. Question number two What soft drink began in Morrison's Old Corner Drugstore in Waco, Texas in 1885, predating Coca Cola by one oh, year? Me. Uh, I think Rachel was there first. Dr. Pepper. This is Dr. Pepper. Oh, man, dude. I knew Dr. Pepper was the king of all Coca- <laughs> or, uh, all colas. It reigns, it reigns supreme. It is the best one. <laughs> From the, uh, yep, Morrison's Co- Old Corner Drugstore in Waco, uh, originally in Waco. Uh, from what I know, their core, this is funny, this actually ties in a little bit, but to their core um, distribution plant was in a town called Dublin, Texas, if I if I remember right. And when I was in college, one of in uh, Norman, Oklahoma, um, one of the fast food places actually had Dublin Dr Pepper, which was pure cane sugar Dr Pepper, and it was so good. Awesome! It was really really good, and I wondered why they didn't have it anymore. Like it eventually just went away to like normal off the tap kind of traditional soda and i found out in 2012 they actually i believe the factory shut down or it relocated in a way that the square mileage so it only went out i think 200 or something i don't remember off the top of my head but around two or three hundred miles from where it would be so it couldn't be distributed uh, any further than that i was thinking about that and as i came back to this question i was like oh i remember doubling dr pepper that stuff was really good Dude, that sucks that it went away. Mm-hmm. Question number three. In Hawaiian, it's pia. In Polish, it's pivo. In Hungarian, it's sor. So what is this drink called in English? Pick me. Rachel. Is this water or milk? No, it is not water or milk. Uh, in Hawaiian, it is pia. In Polish, it is pivo. In Hungarian, it is sor. Uh, so what is this drink in English? It is beer. Oh, man. I was going to do Japanese, but it's literally just the 
uh, the katakana, which is biru. So I figured that was a little too <laughs> oh, on, yeah, on the nose. Little, yeah. <laughs> All right, question number four. VSOP, or very special old pale, is a term used to derive the quality of what kind of liquor? Stew? Stew. Is it whiskey? Uh, it is not whiskey. VSOP, which is a, a strange uh, quality marker, but you'll see it on every bottle of this kind. I believe it's very special. I believe it. There are two or three classifications, uh, and I don't remember them all off the top of my head, but VSOP, I believe, is the the gold, the highest quality is a term to use to derive the quality of what kind of liquor? Um, I'm thinking wine. It's not wine. Can I take another guess? Yeah, you know, one more. Uh, is it tequila? Not tequila. Okay. Any other guesses? No. Okay. So VSOP, uh, very superior old pale, uh, or very special old pale. I believe those are interchangeable. Uh, it could also be extra old. Uh, it could also, I believe, just be old pale. Uh, it is a term to derive the the quality blend or the age of cognac or brandy. Oh, oh. interesting. So looping I it back around. That given, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, should have definitely known. I specifically remember that from an old Good Eats episode where Alton Brown was making, uh, I think it was like a, a Salisbury steak or something like that, where you flambe the, the cognac and you light it on fire. Maybe it wasn't Salisbury steak. I don't remember what it was, but... I remember him specifically going over the uh, the qualities of cognac. Question number five. In 2017, a $22 bottle of Glen Maroc Speyside single malt was awarded the best kind of alcohol of what kind? Rachel. Rachel. This will be a whiskey. Uh, yes, this is a whiskey or a scotch. Nice. So your single malt would probably be the, the giveaway or the Glen. There's a lot of Glens. <laughs> All right, question number six, last question of the round. A Manhattan cocktail is essentially the same as an old-fashioned, except for instead of sugar, it uses what sweetened, fortified Stew. white wine? Is it grenadine? Uh, it is not grenadine. Okay. Grenadine is a cherry sweet liqueur, or not a liqueur. I don't believe it's uh, alcohol at all. I it's believe not. it's just sugar, no, it's, it's basically just sugar. sugar and cherry flavor, yeah. Yes, it is vermouth or sweet vermouth. Uh, (laughs) That is the end of the game. I'm just going to have, I'm going to release a montage video of me just playing Trivial Pursuit and like watching episodes (laughs) of Jeopardy nonstop for like a week (laughs) and then like showing up to the show. Yeah. (laughs) His shadow boxing, a boxing. (laughs) Thanks everyone for playing. That was awesome. A lot of fun. I always love the round robins because. I get to join in on the fray, but also because it's always fun to hear new questions. Uh, That is the end of the game. And before we go, though, we have some picks. So I've been looking through the library, my OverDrive app, which side pick, uh, get a library card and get free books from the library because it's awesome. Uh, And I was kind of looking up some some fun stuff, some like trivia-esque things, just some kind of like nerdy facts and stuff like that. And I stumbled upon this book and it kept getting better and better each time I started or each time I got into it. Uh, The book is called What If? Serious Scientific Answers to Absurd Hypothetical Questions. 
And uh, I started reading it, and I found out it was by, uh, his name is Randall Monroe. It's the creator of XKCD, which, uh, if you're unfamiliar, are those stick figure comic strips online that uh, I'm certain you've probably seen at least a few of, if not a whole bunch. Uh, XKCD has been around a long time. And uh, apparently this is a whole thing that I've been unaware of. It was a, uh, like a web thing where he was, uh, I think, doing videos and also uh, just answering in blog posts, just absurd questions, um, everything from... What would happen if the earth just completely stopped on a dime, just stopped its rotation, and then you hear as scientific and mathematical of answers as possible, uh, talking about, you know, the enormous storms, the cataclysmic storms that would happen near the equator, and even as you get closer to the poles, uh, you would still see things up and not limited to the most extreme storms that, you know, those regions had ever seen before. Uh, I think there's a question about uh, what would happen if you had a physical periodic table of elements with a one inch by one inch cube of each element? And uh, oh the answer God. is it would not go well, <laughs> but it it breaks down and it's like the first row, you'd be fine. You're f- familiar with noble gases, things like that. By the third row, you would start to run into issues with, I believe it's Freon, something like that. Um Yeah. By the seventh, you would start to have elements that would have a half-life period so small, it would just start to, uh, the radiation would basically kill you on contact. Uh, And a really, really fun book where it just explores these kind of insane questions and gives it a very scientific and mathematical approach to it. Uh, Like I said, it's the creator of XKCD. XKCD, And uh, I also got it on audiobook and was pleased to find out that the narrator was Will Wheaton himself. So oh, man. King of the king of the nerds. Uh, and he obviously gives a lot of great uh, credence to that. So if you're looking for something fun, kind of kind of nerdy and kind of scientific and numbery, uh, I would definitely check out What If? Uh, Serious Scientific Answers to Absurd Hypothetical Questions by Randall Monroe. Well, if you're listening at home and you have a pick of your own that you think listeners would enjoy, or if you have trivia topic ideas, you can email them into us at thingsigotwrong at gmail.com. You can also check out our website at thingsigotwrong.com to check out past episodes, show notes, and more. Uh, Our next episode will be released on February 15th, so stay tuned to that. Uh, I think we'll be able to pull in a few fun Valentine's Day-themed things into the fray. Uh, Thanks again to the team here. Until next time, we'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Thank you.